0: And welcome to another episode of the Mother Kind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky. where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. And this week is a big week for the podcast and for all of you guys, my listeners, because we made it to number one in the charts. And I've talked about this a lot, that I'm not excited about the charts because of the number one status, although that's lovely. What more excites me is it means that we are reaching more and more of us with what I think is this really, really important message of how do we reconnect to ourselves through this you know, challenge that is motherhood and all the amazing guests that I have spoken to. And it means that more and more people are listening not only to the current episodes, but past episodes. So I just want to thank you for being here with me, for downloading the podcast and listening to it. I know it sounds cheesy, but it really is true that every single message, comment, download means the world to me. It's just me sat in my kitchen with my microphone there's no studio, there's no production. So it just means the world and I want to thank you. And this week I have an amazing, amazing guest for you called Susie Ashworth. If you don't know Susie, she is a mum of three and she's a stepmum to one. So she is living in a household with for children under 14. She is a Hay House author. She's a TEDx speaker. She's also a mindset and business coach. And she founded the Calm Birth School, which is basically a hypnobirthing empire. So check that out. I think it was the first one to ever do online hypnobirthing courses. That's something that she founded a couple of years ago. So I loved my chat with Susie. We talked to start with about her journey. And how she got to where she is today? And she's been on a 20-year personal and self-development journey. So she's got amazing wisdom and insights. We talk about therapy.
1: Even though there were hard times, I feel one, blessed to have had a really strong support network in the shape of them. And I think that having people that really did practice unconditional love saying yes and giving me permission to say yes to myself. I think that that's what I'm living now.
0: We talk about what she does for 10 minutes a day to make sure that she stays connected to herself and into her best self and how it feels when she doesn't do that and that's really interesting.
1: Depending on where I am as in emotionally sometimes it will be journaling sometimes it will be meditation because I live five minutes drive from the beach it always involves either walking or now I'm just starting up running again so I can be connected
0: to the scene,
1: just be outside, move my body.
0: We also chat about why she's got a parenting coach and why she is about to start family therapy.
1: Being really kind to myself, you know, congratulating myself on the self-awareness when I'm not acting in alignment with the person that I want to be. And forgiving myself is a really important part of the growing and the expanding of our family.
0: As usual, we go quite deep, quite fast. And I know I had a few aha moments chatting with Susie, so I hope you do too. Now, unfortunately, and this is the first time this has ever happened, which is ironic given that we're the highest we've ever been in the charts. Maybe that's to keep my ego into the right size but I had a bit of a technical mishap with this one which meant that I wasn't able to properly thank Susie at the end and we weren't able to say our proper goodbyes so Susie I just want to thank you now in the intro thank you so much for coming on thank you for your honesty and your wisdom and I know that each and every one of you out there is going to get something from this conversation so I hope you enjoy it if you do please leave a review the reviews mean that more and more mums find the podcast when they search for content like this. So it does make a difference and I read every single one, often with a tear in my eye. So please do leave a review and I really hope you enjoy our chat. Here it is. So Susie, welcome to the Motherkind podcast. I'm so excited to have you here this morning. Thank you
1: so much for having
0: me. Well, it was lovely because we were setting this up and we hadn't actually met. And then last night, we met at Mel Wells Book Launch, so that was just brilliant. This feels like total serendipity that we met last night and we're doing this this morning. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, you can't beat the synergy there, That is really feels good.
0: So before we get into our chat, and I, I'm really looking forward to chatting to you about what you do, and you've got four children, so we're talking to you a lot about balance and self-care, but for those who don't know you, could you just do a brief intro to you and your work?
1: Yeah, so I am a mindset and messaging mentor. I primarily work with female entrepreneurs who have a mission and a big vision that they want to accomplish in the world. And what I've found with the women that I've worked with over the last two years specifically, but I've been in business for myself for the last four years, is that when people are starting out, It's really overwhelming. There's so much information and you're being told, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do this. And actually, when you are starting out or in those first couple of years and you're trying to get traction and momentum, when you're really clear on who you are and who you want to serve and why you want to serve those people and then you consistently share that message day after day after day, that's when you get the traction what is really interesting is that in order for you to have the confidence and give yourself permission to share that message, which sometimes goes against the grain and what everybody else is saying, you have to do a lot of mindset work. And mm. uh, the mindset work is about really just giving yourself permission to be who you are and know who you are and know what it is that you want to do. So that's what I help women in business do. Mm.
0: so important, isn't it? I so think Sometimes I struggle. I don't know what your view is with like the idea of like life and business. To me, they're so, it's the same minds that we bring to both those experiences, isn't it? So I feel like you can really tell those people that you're talking about who really know who they are and have done the inner work. And I think for me, I'm always the same as you. I'm always talking about inside out. When and how did you get to do your inner work? Was there a crisis moment or have you always been interested in self-development and looking at your stuff, I guess?
1: Yeah so I would say that I've been on my own personal development journey for just over 20 years and it really kicked off after my foster mother who had brought me up when I was three months old. She passed away when I was 19 and I ended up going traveling. It was my kind of kick up the butt At the time I was working in pizza restaurants and I'd worked in like every pizza restaurant in Canterbury and I was like, I don't want this to be my life. It was really clear that life is too short and so I went on and I went to Ibiza and I went to Thailand and in total I spent a year and a half in Amsterdam and at that time I was living with a girl who is today still one of my best friends. And she gave me a book called The Celestine Prophecy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's all about synergy and the fact that there's no coincidence. And it was really the door opening to the, I suppose, spiritual world. And knowing that there is more than just what we are seeing and more than just what is tangible to us. And that was the start of that journey. And it hasn't really stopped since
0: then what did that look like then that was one of the early on books that I read as well actually I love it I would recommend it to anyone listening (laughs) what did that look like then what were the first things that you started to do when you started to live that more I guess connected life
1: I think that actually it was more about the observing than doing for me. So what was really special about Sarah, who I now work with, she works with me, she teaches yoga, so she teaches yoga on my retreats. But what was really interesting with her is that she would manifest things, like crazy weird things. She'd be like, I really want this. And then the next day or a week later, someone would present her with exactly the thing that she wanted. And I was really just curious about how she was able to pull in whatever she needed, whenever she needed it. And alongside observing the kind of stuff element, what was really beautiful about her was that she was somebody who was really kind, really generous. She had a real light about her. And I was curious and I suppose enamoured with this light and this really beautiful individual. And at that point for me, I felt quite awkward and just unsure of myself and just not really that clear on who I wanted to be. Now, obviously, I wouldn't have said that at that time. But at that time, I was living a life that was very disconnected, actually. So I was out. I mean, I lived in Amsterdam, Bangkok and Ibiza. So that gives Mm. you the kind of idea of the life (laughs) that I was living. Yeah. Um,
0: But I wasn't
1: really loving it. And what was interesting, particularly about the time I spent in Ibiza, was the times where I did say, do you know what? I don't want to get off my head, but I really love this music. I really want to go to the club, but I am not getting hammered. And I would be able to stand in my power. I would be the person who was dancing till five o'clock in the morning and people would be coming up to me saying, what are you on? What are you doing? And I'd be like, I am literally just vibing off the music and the energy in the room. And I think that those were the first glimpses of being connected to life and also having the courage to say no to the things that weren't serving me. And I think that over the last 20 years, I've just created more opportunities to be saying yes to life and saying no to the things that aren't serving me. But it's been a really long and slow process,
0: Mm, actually. mm. And were you working with trauma limiting beliefs like how much stuff did you have to get through to get to that point where you could start standing in more of your power and saying no and boundaries which I know is something that a lot of the people that I work with and my community struggle with
1: yeah it's interesting I think that my younger, younger background. So I come from this three sisters and two brothers. I wasn't brought up with my two brothers. I was only brought up with one of my sisters and my elder sister in my life, but we didn't grow up together. There was trauma in our family, but my foster parents, I just feel we were gifted. So I believe that all children choose their parents. Mm. And I believe that I chose my birth parents for a reason. And I believe that I chose my foster parents for a reason. And those individuals were just magical. And what they brought my sister and myself up with was the idea that we could, whilst they weren't particularly living it themselves, they always said yes to us and so I grew up with an idea of why not why shouldn't I go to Ibiza why shouldn't I do this why shouldn't I do that and so even though there were hard times I feel one blessed to have had a really strong support network in the shape of them and I think that having people that really did practice unconditional love saying yes and giving me permission to say yes to myself I think that that's what I'm living now
0: wow and that's
1: what, wow that's what
0: And are you passing that on to your children
1: <laughs> I hope so I think that there are times when I do hear myself saying so it's like my son who started karate how
0: old is he actually tell us how old your four are just so that people know
1: so I've got 14 year old stepson seven year old boy five year old girl and a two year old girl and my seven-year-old, he started karate, then he wanted to give up karate, now he's doing basketball, and sometimes he's like, oh, I'm not sure if I want to do basketball, I want to do gymnastics. There's a part of me that wants to say, no, you know, you need to do basketball for at least a term, at least a period of time, and I think, is that what my parents said to me? Because I did all of the things. Yeah. I did, I did, cello, I did athletics, I did clubs, I did, I did everything. So I hope so. But I think we all have different journeys, don't we? And I believe that as parents, they pick us for a reason. And the lessons that my parents taught me, yeah, they're absolutely ingrained. I had them for 20 years. I embody those lessons, but they're not necessarily the lessons that my son picked me for. And I just trust that the right lessons are coming through for him.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. I have the same philosophy. But then do you think that means that you're not trying to not change your parenting does that mean you don't work on your parenting as something that you work out you with that philosophy in mind do you think I'm just the parent I am and he chose me therefore you know I'm not gonna look within tell me about that tension because that's quite interesting
1: yeah I have a parenting coach (laughs) because I just think our kids they're our biggest teachers aren't they yeah and they know how quite unconsciously they know most of the time unconsciously they know how to push every single button that you have and that inner child is something that manifests or presents itself in most challenging situations and the reason that I started working with a parenting coach is one we had real unexpected trouble with Coco when she started reception and I thought that she would just run in and be like, yeah, I'm here because she's so confident. Yeah. That she was really tearful. Um, she didn't want to go in. And we didn't know how to deal with it. And then on top of that, even though I pride myself on being a calm person, there have been so many times where I was just the shouty mum that I didn't want to be. <laughs> I was just like, This is not the person I want to be. This is not the parent I want to be. So, yeah, I get help.
0: What insights and strategies have you uncovered to help you with that stuff? So
1: the coach that I use, she's a gentle parenting coach, but maybe not in the way that you maybe associate with gentle parenting. But the biggest thing that I've taken away is that everything that I teach women in business about, Releasing the things you can't control, focusing on the things that you can, pausing before you speak. Also appreciating that just because they can talk and just because they think that they know all of the things, there's when they're struggling and when they're in that emotional turmoil, they're trying to communicate something that they don't have language for. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that has been, that's been massive. Yeah. At, yeah and being able to hold the space in a tantrum and not take it personally and not think what are you doing or why are you doing this that's been really powerful
0: and what have you learned about yourself through that were you uncomfortable with her big feelings and trying to control them or what was it in you did you get to any insights
1: yeah 100% (laughs) all (laughs) of
0: that I'm saying that because I'm the same. I know it. I know it. (laughs) And so I'm a recovering control freak. Yeah, that's what I say as well. I'm a recovering perfectionist and a recovering control freak. Yeah. And so
1: when you've got these little people, which are amazing, you know, I've given birth three times, they all have the same dad, and these little human beings are so different and they have completely different personalities and... When you're doing your best, and even though I have a parenting coach, I'm still a pretty good mom to have all of these big feelings that seemingly come out of nowhere and explode into the place. And it's just like, what have I done wrong? What am I not doing right? Like, why am I not in control of this situation? Why can't I calm it down? All of those things really feed into the needing to know how and needing to know all of the steps and needing to make everything right and you know the amount of judgment I have for myself and then what if she does this out in the shopping center what are people going to think of me it's like people say business is the best form of personal development but next to business I would say having kids as well
0: I think it's the number one (laughs) honestly if I always say to mum, you know, and I think maybe that's why Mother Kind is resonating so much with people, because I think if you've got any latent coping behaviours, they're going to come out through your parenting. And what I find fascinating is often the things that really served us before we become mums are the things we have to change first, like control, yeah. like perfectionism, like living for the externals, what things yeah. look like, you know, because all of that goes out the window because you can't yeah. control when your toddler is going to have that massive meltdown and You can't control them. But someone said something to me which was a really helpful reframe. I get help from a child psychologist as well. And she said it's actually a really good thing that Jessie feels safe enough to explore those big feelings at home. And that really helped me reframe it, really helped me, because I was like, actually... You know, there's a lot of homes where it's not safe to go into that space yeah. um, because you might get shamed or shouted at or tried to be fixed or, you know. So I see now that when she goes into those big feelings, I think, okay, good, she feels safe. Yeah. I'm reframing it. And that really helps me to soften in that moment.
1: Yeah. And it is the softening. I used to feel really hurt actually when I would pick up Coco sometimes from nursery and she would burst into tears and be Aww. really, and just feel like, it wouldn't be that she didn't want to come home, but she would just really cry. And understanding that as a child, she's keeping you know, all of those feelings in all
0: day. Yeah, and then she sees so, you, and it—that's really common, isn't it? That when you go yes. to pick them up, they burst into tears. Yeah, and it's like it's not
1: that she hates you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. A
1: big day. Yeah, and yeah, I think what's also been massively challenging and required me to do lots of inner work is having my 14-year-old come to live with us. He lived with us when he was 11, and then he came back last year, so he's been with us a year. And so it has been, and again, this is maybe a bit controversial or unexpected for me to acknowledge, but it is easier with my own children to be able to deal with, no matter how big it is and no matter how big I get, and then bringing it down and... There's always the forgiveness and that idea of unconditional love feels really real, whereas I noticed the number of conditions that I would put on him and his behaviour and how that made me then think, God, you're a terrible person. Mm-hmm. You should be able to love him unconditionally in the same way as you do your own children. And there feels like there's a difference. And so that has brought up a lot of things. Yeah, that we as a family, and obviously me as an individual are still dealing with
0: what do you think he's coming back into your life into your home to teach you oh
1: (laughs) unconditional love you know what it really means
0: what do you think it really means what i know is
1: that a lot of my guilt when it comes to that specific relationship is that i was brought up with people who i was not blood related to and yes. they to demonstrate that to me of course yeah so when I see myself or have feelings not in alignment with that it has brought up a lot of guilt and shame so unconditional love is being able to give without needing to receive anything back and that's tough It is tough. It's tough with our own kids, but I think that most of the time I'm winning and it's difficult with a teenage boy who comes with his own baggage and history that he's working his way through. It is also tough. But I think probably the other lesson that he is teaching me and us as a family is resilience and kindness.
0: Mm. And what's that looking like for you as a family? How's that kindness playing out is that in terms of how kind you are to yourselves or to each other or both
1: both so I know that operating from a place of I am not a good person I am not a good stepmother I am not a good woman is not energetically conducive for creating a loving space and being really kind to myself you know congratulating myself on the self-awareness when I'm not Acting in alignment with the person that I want to be, and forgiving myself is a really important part of the growing and the expanding of our family. And then just being kind to him. And I think that you know, you say what seven-year-old going on seventeen, you have a fourteen-year-old also dealing with their big feelings, mm. Emma, who. At that age, I remember what I was like, you do think you know it all.
0: Yeah, you do. Yeah, it's mad. (laughs) It's (laughs)
1: mad. You never know anything. Being kind and empathetic to where he is in his journey and knowing where you need to pull back, where you need to lean in, where you need to... Talk to him like an adult, where you need to hold him in the space like he's a child.
0: Mm. So that all mm. takes mm. empathy. You know, you're in a household of six people. I know. I mean, the energy must be like must be intense and amazing and what do you do to give yourself that because you sound like you're really on top of your own stuff I mean obviously this is what you do isn't it as a living but are you having weekly therapy are you journaling every day like how are you creating that space to give yourself that perception and insight yeah
1: so we're just about to all start family therapy which I'm quite
0: excited about are you yeah we are. all six of Um, you
1: Yeah, well, Aluna won't be in there. The younger kids will be, and yeah, Thomas, Jerome, and I—we will all be sitting down over Skype. I don't know if it will be weekly, but yeah, we're just we're talking to a lady now, so that feels exciting. But my own self-care and self-practice really happens in the mornings. I get up super early. What time? Five a.m. Sometimes earlier.
0: Oh, what time are you going to bed then? On a good night, 10 o'clock. On a bad night, midnight. And then you're up at sometimes 4.30. Sometimes 4.30. Gosh. Are you one of those people that just needs less sleep or have you just trained yourself?
1: No, totally. I need less sleep. I've needed less sleep since having Caesar.
0: Yeah, see, I I still need those eight, nine hours. Otherwise, I can't function. I tried that 5 a.m. thing. It just didn't work for me. I was just exhausted. And by 4 p.m., I was like the devil. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I also think that I love a little bit of a daytime nap now you know when people say when you've had a baby sleep when no they sleep and I used to be like don't tell me to sleep when no they sleep I hate that but now I'm all over having a little daytime nap if I'm a little bit tired in the day but that morning is so important to me and I vary it so depending on where I am as in emotionally sometimes it will be journaling sometimes it will be meditation because I live five minute drive from the beach It always involves either walking or now I'm just starting up running again so I can be connected to the sea, just be outside, move my body. Moving my body is really important. I don't have regular massages. Not as regular as what they could be. I was going to say should, but could be. That kind of thing, getting my nails done,
0: You're creating time every day is what I'm hearing for you to connect with you. And do you notice when you don't do that? Because this is something that I'm evangelical about with my community. And I think a lot of people, until you start it, don't get the benefits. But I think they like hearing what happens when you don't do that. So if you miss two or three days of that, what would the impact be on you and those around you?
1: Oh, it's not good. It's not good. But it's interesting because obviously we were out last night. And so how I woke up this morning was my husband giving me a kiss, going, right, I'm off to work. And I was like, what? What? It was quarter to seven. My first thought was, oh. Yeah,
0: well, but you were you were out till like 1 a.m., yeah, was it? Yeah, I know. But my first thought
1: was I shouldn't have drunk so much Prosecco. And then I would have got up. That was my thought because it's so important to me. Yeah. And the knock-on effect of me even not doing it for one day, my eating changes, so I
0: eat more crap. I'm just less conscious. Yeah. I'm less awake. Yeah. So, um, Sometimes I cannot believe the difference. Yeah. It's like yeah. I'm a different person.
1: Yeah. When I'm journaling or when I'm out running, I am... Um, living into my intentions, the big vision of where I want to be in five years' time, like the type of business that I want to have, the type of family that I want to have. That is all part of it. When I don't do that, I slip back into the words that are in my head. I'm not doing this service, but kind of in inverted commas, normal. It's not normal, but it's the mediocre version of myself. That's what I slip into.
0: Yeah, you're low. I would call it your lower self, which is like you know you're in the maybe. For me, it looks like I get lost in that inner critic. I get, I can get into comparison. I sort of forget what I'm doing, and yeah, I'll be walking part down the road and looking how much nicer everyone's houses are than mine. Stuff like that, and Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is because I didn't meditate for five minutes. Like, how does it work? That I still don't really understand (laughs) how it works so effectively, but it absolutely does.
1: I think it's just intention. In my community, people say, what's the minimum? And I'm like, 10 minutes, 10 minutes to connect with yourself in whatever way, shape or form. Yeah, I for you. say the
0: same actually. And I, I recommend three things every day. What do you recommend every day?
1: Well, I recommend one thing and whether that is walking, meditating, visualising, affirming. It could be anything that enables you to think about, the highest vision that you have for yourself and yeah who you have to be in order to bring that vision into your reality and that takes 10 minutes and that will impact the way that you talk to your kids and the way that you will forgive yourself how quickly you forgive yourself when you lose it for a moment with them because that happens all of the time yeah you know i mean yeah. The moment where you fall off and the quicker you can say do you know what you messed up it's okay you can get back on yeah and even that is impacted by that 10 minutes yeah it's amazing whatever
0: you want it's just
1: take the time
0: is that what living a limitless life is
1: yeah I think so for me limitless life is about joy and what do you need to do to bring more joy into your life And the way I teach it, so I have the Limitless Life program, which again is for business people, but we are in business so that we can live a limitless life. So that starts with really connecting. You know, so many people are in business doing stuff they don't love doing.
0: Yeah, especially in corporate jobs. I mean, I hate to be like bashing corporate jobs, but so many people just seem to be slogging that nine to five, hating every minute. Yeah. What is that about? What is Um, that about? Why do you think we get stuck in that? Is it to do with high cost of childcare, for example? No. I mean, I think that's part of it. But I think that we are sold a,
1: this is the dream, 2.4 children. You now get a mortgage. You have a great job. You have security. But the security thing is a big thing, you know, I know somebody who's been working for a large car firm for like 35 years. And he's like, I've just got to do another 15 years and then I'm going to retire. And it's like, what? You hate it. Yeah. Absolutely. The pension means nothing to you if you drop down dead five days after you've retired. Let's start living our lives now. And what you said at the beginning about business and life being so intertwined, absolutely. And the yeah. of people that I work with they want to be themselves they want to bring themselves to the forefront and make their business from being who they are
0: so do you think you have to do that life piece first and then think about business or do you get people for example who have got maybe a lot of unresolved issues they've got limiting beliefs but they've got a big vision for their business can you be a successful businesswoman whilst holding on to some of your internal challenges or do you always have to work on yourself first?
1: So I absolutely think that you can have a great business and have unresolved issues. But the great business is usually not the great business for you. And so you find these really successful women, multiple six figures on the outside. world. they look like they've got everything, but they're dying on the inside. Yeah. And I think that when you work through your stuff, you end up ensuring that your ladder is against the right wall.
0: I love that. Yeah. I mean, I saw this in my corporate career, women that absolutely fit that description of, you know, who were always seeking that validation through titles or how senior they were or how young they were on the board. and But then they're always filling that hole within. Do
1: yeah. you know what I
0: mean? You, never, you can never fill that. And that's no. that's a shortcut to burnout often, isn't it?
1: 100%. 100%. It starts with you. And I think that you can work on the two in tandem. And I think that, yeah, like I say, I'm not saying it's not possible, but you don't usually feel good when you, in inverted commas, made it.
0: Is um, that how we know we're on the right path then? That as we're working on ourselves or our businesses or even in our lives, you know, even if our business is looking after the kids, for example, yeah. is that how we know? that it, Does it feel joyful? Is that your barometer?
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: 1,000%. Yeah. So if there's someone who is a stay-at-home mum and they're like, well, I don't feel joyful about it, what would you say to them? Do they need to maybe change it up or look within? What would you say to that
1: person? So I would start with the very minimum of the 10 minutes a day and start asking yourself, if I had a million in the bank and if I was not scared of getting it wrong, what would I choose to be doing
0: right now? Oh, yeah, it's a great question, yeah. Yeah, I ask about the money
1: in the bank because people are worried about financial security or financial risk and people are scared of also getting it wrong. And I think that one of the biggest lessons and reframes for me is that I don't fail. I can't fail. You know, it doesn't mean I get everything right all of the time, but you win some and you learn some. Every, in inverted commas, failure is a lesson. And you need to live those lessons in order to know what you want, to know what you don't want. And if you work in my type of arena, those lessons are gifts for your clients. So failure is part of the process. And so many people hold back because they're scared of failure. It's Mm. like, don't be scared Mm. of that. It's a lesson. And that lesson will be one of your greatest gifts.
0: So at the end of every interview, I always ask the same question, which is, if you could give... All mums in the world one thing what would that be and why
1: I love this question so I would give them a permission slip and mm. the permission slip you can use to write on it whatever it is that you need to give yourself permission to do get extra help start your own business write the book allow yourself to put the kids into childcare an extra morning a week whatever it is, we are always looking for permission to live our lives. And I want to give you the permission set. There it is. We're asking for permission. You now have it.
0: So that's it. Thank you for listening to the episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. And if you did, please do leave a review on iTunes. It does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content. If you were listening to that episode, thinking about one of your friends... And also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one with mums on my programme which is a three month program called reconnect to you. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.